Welcome listeners, but take heed. We will say whatever we need to share our knowledge, thoughts, and joy, and even things that do annoy. So join us now, but be aware. We have a tendency to swear. We'll dial it back a little bit. But frankly, we don't give a shit. Welcome to Just Keep Rolling, a Harry Potter book movie compare and contrast podcast. I'm Ellen. I'm Katie. And let's just keep rolling. Let's rolling to our rehash. We asked the first of many trivia questions for our lovely listeners to answer on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash jkrpodcast. Give us a like! Last week's question was, what sweet did Dumbledore offer McGonagall in Chapter 1 of Sorcerer's Stone? If you answered Lemon Drop, you would be correct. Congratulations goes to Ashley for being our first listener to give the correct answer and share the code word. Nice work, Ashley. If this is your first time joining us on Just Keep Rolling, last time we introduced ourselves and shared our own Sorting Hat stories and how this podcast came to be. This episode, we are going to delve into Chapter 1 of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and its corresponding film scenes. This chapter introduces the very normal family, Mr. and Mrs. Dursley, and their son Dudley living in Surrey, England. They have everything they want, but they also have a secret they are afraid will be discovered. They don't want anyone to know that Mrs. Dursley's sister and her husband, the Potters, are not at all normal. As Mr. Dursley heads to work for what he thinks is going to be an average day, he notices a couple of odd things that he does his best to ignore. A cat reading a map and people dressed in brightly colored cloaks. When he goes to buy a bun for lunch, he hears whispers of the Potters and their son Harry. On his way home, he bumps into a strangely dressed man who hugs him and gleefully exclaims that you-know-who is gone. When he returns home, he sees the same cat hanging around. Disturbed, but still doing his best to convince himself that it has nothing to do with them or their secret, he initially decides not to mention it to his wife. Then, the news talks about the unusual things happening, owls flying during the day, and showers of shooting stars. Later that night, an old man named Albus Dumbledore appears on the corner of the Dursley's street. Dumbledore pulls a device that looks like a silver cigarette lighter out of his pocket and clicks it to shut off all of the street lights. Once dark, he approaches the cat and addresses it as Professor McGonagall, but it had disappeared and was replaced by a severe-looking woman. They discuss the disappearance of you-know-who, otherwise known as Voldemort. Dumbledore confirms that Voldemort killed James and Lily Potter and tried to kill Harry but failed and appeared to destroy himself in the process. He shares that Hagrid will be bringing Harry to come live with the Dursleys. McGonagall protests, but Dumbledore insists that it's the best place for him to grow up away from all of the fame and attention until he is old enough. Hagrid, a huge and wild-looking man, arrives with Harry on a giant flying motorcycle. Dumbledore takes Harry and he and McGonagall acknowledge the cut shaped like a lightning bolt on his forehead from the curse. Hagrid says goodbye to Harry and Dumbledore places him on the doorstep with a letter explaining everything to the Dursleys. The movie opens on an owl sitting atop a sign that reads Privet Drive. The owl flies away into the trees just as a white-haired man with a long beard steps out from them. He walks to the street past a gray and black cat sitting on the sidewalk and takes out a silver device that resembles a lighter and clicks it five times. Each time he clicks it, a streetlight goes out and makes the scene much darker. The old man turns to the cat and addresses her as Professor McGonagall. We then see the shadow of the cat morph into a human shape of an older woman with long robes and a pointy hat. She greets the man as Professor Dumbledore, 
and they proceed to walk down the street, conversing about the rumors that have been circulating that day, and we learn that a boy is being brought to their location by someone named Hagrid. McGonagall asks if he can be trusted with something like this, and Dumbledore responds that he would trust Hagrid with his life. We then hear a rumble off screen, and the shot pans over to light to a light in the sky. The rumble gets louder, and the light gets closer, until we see the form of a large man riding a flying motorcycle, coming to land on the street in front of the two people. Hagrid, a large and hairy man, greets the pair and dismounts the bike. Hagrid pulls a bundle out of a pouch strapped to him and hands it to Dumbledore. The three begin walking towards a house while McGonagall expresses her concern about leaving the bundle with these people, whom she calls the worst sort of muggles imaginable. Dumbledore tells her they are the only family he has and he'll be far better off growing up away from the world where, as McGonagall says, there won't be a child who doesn't know his name. Dumbledore then places the bundle on the doorstep of number four. We see Hagrid crying over leaving him. Dumbledore tells him it's not really goodbye and turns back to the bundle where we now see a sleeping baby's face peeking from under the blanket and places a letter addressed to Mr. and Mrs. V. Dursley, 4 Privet Drive, Little Whinging, Surrey, in green lettering on top. He looks at the baby and says, good luck, Harry Potter, before we zoom in on the lightning bolt-shaped cut on the child's forehead. So obviously, the biggest difference that we see between the book and the movie here is that the movie cuts out the entire first half of chapter one. Well, yeah, because, I mean, chapter one would be boring as fuck in movie form. Yeah, that's true. I mean, the Dursleys are just boring so the movie would be boring there's a lot of people that had a hard time getting through reading chapter one because the Dursleys are so boring I agree with you there I actually back when I first started reading the books my junior year of high school I started dating this guy who was also a nerd and really loved to read and I thought that he was going to love these books and I wanted somebody else to love Harry Potter with me so I, I insisted that he read them and he wouldn't do it but then he had to have surgery and was laid up for a while, so I showed up at his house with the book and read him the first chapter, thinking he'd want to continue from there. And I put a bookmark in right at chapter much. two yeah. and uh, left the book with him and would check in every now and then. Hey, did you read more? Oh, yeah, I read a little bit of the next chapter. No, he was lying. He actually didn't <laughs> read any more past chapter one, and I was never going to convince him to, but I did get him to go to the movie with me, and we got up to the very first Quidditch game and he just leans over and goes, I want to play Quidditch. <laughs> and then after that, well, I didn't have a problem getting him to read the book. That's very, that's very much a boy response. It is. It's, it really is. You know. But he read the book after that and he loved them. Yeah. But there's something about that first chapter that doesn't bring people in as well as it could. Yeah. So it makes sense that they obviously wouldn't it brings. Them. Obviously it brings people in. Oh, sure. Somewhat. Otherwise, no one would, no no one one would, would have read, read past it. It, that. Wouldn't have, it wouldn't be what it is today. But you really, you got to stick with it through that first chapter. At least the first half of it. I think mm -hmm. I felt like it picked up a little bit more when Dumbledore shows up and the well, magic starts happening. Yeah, because you start something with magic and it's just magic. Right? Why start with boring, shitty people when you can start with magic? Well... I mean, they did have to establish that the Dursleys were boring and shitty. I get that for book purposes. Yes, that's fine. But I'm saying, you know, in the movie. 
and the movie they, they established that just by McGonagall saying these are the worst types of muggles I've ever you know and and that's the like, worst sorts of muggles or yeah, something yeah exactly and and that that pretty much that sums it all up that right sums there. it up that's and then when we do finally see them which we will talk about next episode mm-hmm. it also establishes how awful of people that they are it it not it it confirms it confirms it definitely confirms you're just like you're I feel like. You might kind of be listening to McGonagall saying these are the worst sort of muggles imaginable. And you're like, yeah, but how bad could they be really? And well, then you actually see them and it's like, yeah. oh, wait, yeah, they are. Well, they, I, I think on saw. one hand, if you hadn't read the book first, you were sitting there going, what the fuck's a muggle? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that a bad word? Like, <laughs> fuck, yes, it is. Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> Oops. Good thing we're listed as explicit. Ooh, huzzah. But yeah, um, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just said huzzah. It's all right. We're probably gonna leave that in. So I'd Yay. say that it makes a lot of sense in the movie that they started straight on with the magic to bring people in, since it did seem like some people had trouble getting into the first chapter reading it. But yeah, I mean that was one of the biggest differences from the book to the movie is obviously like entirely yeah o- omitting the first half of the chapter, but. I think where they went from there with the second half of the chapter being where they started just starting right in on Dumbledore and everything that happened. Yeah, Dumbledore and his magical vape pen. <laughs> his vape <Yeah>. pen. <laughs> his put outer does look like a vape pen. It does. I wonder what kind of what kind of vaping he's doing. Obviously lemon flavored. Oh well of course. He, he had the lemon drops in the book, like yeah. our trivia question, but well, well then now he's gotta have some lemon flavored vape juice. Yeah, because he didn't get his lemon drops in the movie. And that was that was one other little thing that yeah. they omitted. <laughs> yeah, other than small omissions like that, it stayed pretty true to the second half of the of the first chapter. Yeah, I'm inclined to agree with you. You know, another difference is, is that uh, he clicks the put outer, the vape pen. Uh 12 times in the book, but only five times in the movie. Now, for those of us that can do math. I can math. You can math? I can math. Oh, well. Exciting. Um, if you take five away from 12. Seven. Oh, my gosh. Yes. There's seven. There's seven <laughs> oh left. She's like an overexcited Labradoodle over here. But seven is one of those numbers that's <laughs> everywhere in the series and that's something that i hadn't noticed before mm-hmm. because even though i can math i don't do it willingly not on purpose and I, there's a there's a very good chance that that's just a coincidence yeah uh, that that they happen to leave seven just, yeah. clicks out of the movie but seven is in fact a very magical number and there's a lot of history about the number and one of my art history lesson time one of my favorite stories about the number seven is actually um surrounding the rainbow uh and if you guys ever you know took an art class or went to kindergarten you probably learned roy g biv and um red orange yellow green blue indigo violet and indigo is the only color in the rainbow that is actually a tertiary color Red, yellow, blue are in primary, and mm-hmm. orange, green, and purple, or violet, are secondary. secondary. Yeah. So indigo is just this random, odd-numbered color that got thrown into the color wheel, and that's actually Isaac Newton's fault, who not only discovered gravity, he also invented the color wheel based off the rainbow, that he was obsessed with the number seven. And so the, so the, the rainbow fault. had to have seven colors. The color wheel had to have seven colors. It's- 
The other tertiary colors are um, red, orange, yellow, orange, yellow, green, blue, green, blue, violet, red, violet. There are six of them. So. Blue, violet is also indigo. And that's the only one that gets included. Because Newton had to have seven colors on the color wheel. It was historically considered a very magical number. So whereas this could have been a coincidence, it also could have been entirely on purpose. True. I mean, we know we know she throws the magical, you know. She throws that number in a lot on purpose. On purpose. Now, this is the movie, not the book. And I don't know that the people writing the scripts for the movies knew that much. Exactly. It could simply have just been like, do we really want to record him doing this 12, 12 times? times? 12 times seems like too many. Five. Five is yeah. a good number. Let's no, go let's with five. five. Five sounds like the right and number. And it totally got the point across. It's just fans being nitpicky. Like, yeah. he did it 12 times in the book. That was it 12 times. I wanted to see it 12 times. Like, Which, I mean, that's really what this podcast is. It's just fans being nitpicky. <laughs> but it's okay. But also being appreciative. Oh, yes, we appreciate. Also being appreciative. We appreciate. We just pick at the nits as well. Yeah, we are going to pick at the nits from time to time. (laughs) So five times instead of 12. But he still had his put outer. He still shut off the lights. We got to see that little bit of magic. Yeah. And that was cool to watch. Yeah, and that that was like the introduction to like the fact that yeah, I mean, he walks out in a in a robe with a oh, giant looks, beard. Do you know he's like? He looks like a wizard. Either he's crazy or he's magical. I mean, or both, or a little bit of both. Definitely, a little it bit is of both. it is Dumbledore. But I mean, either he's you know insane or he's he's can do some crazy shit, and <laughs> he's either insane or motherfucker's a wizard. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes ahead and and puts out some lights and proves that motherfucker is a magic. wizard. Yeah, yeah. magic. Magic is real. And then they follow that up with a cat transforming into a person. Yeah. Like it... Bitch is a witch. <laughs> they 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 start off strong, I think. They do. It's like bam magic. Yeah. Bam magic. And it's they bring it in pretty hard. They, it is they They don't want to mess around. They don't mess around. And it truthfully is a better intro to the series than starting off on the Dursleys. And Vernon working at the drill factory. The drill factory. And buying a bun. and Yeah. Like, nobody wants no, to see that. No, it wasn't. Nobody wanted to even read that. So. <laughs> yeah. Let's just keep rolling. So we just keep rolling. And um, in the book, uh, Dumbledore and McGonagall have a full discussion about what happened to the Potters, Hagrid bringing Harry, and leaving Harry with the Dursleys. In the movie, they only talk about Hagrid bringing Harry and leaving him with the Muggles. They don't even say Dursleys at this point. Oh, yeah. We don't even learn their names until later on. No. Not at all. They're yeah. just... Everything about this opening scene is very suspenseful. Mm-hmm. Like, you know... Yeah, you know... I mean, we don't even know We get a lot more... Yeah, we, we don't know his name. We get a lot more information in the book. We already have learned, as readers, we've already learned what happened to Harry's parents. Mm-hmm. We already learned that there's some dark wizard that everyone's afraid of who tries to kill Harry after mm-hmm. killing his parents. Yeah. And is destroyed by it, and Harry somehow survives. Yeah. And in the movie... And he's just left with the scar. What, we just know that a boy is arriving. Hagrid's bringing a boy. Yeah. We ha- don't even know if it's a baby or... We don't know anything. Just, Hagrid's bringing a boy. Why we don't know. What, you know, where he's where's he coming from, we don't know. All we know is that Hagrid's bringing him. And 
McGonagall's arguing and saying, you know, he shouldn't be brought up here. These people are terrible. This, yeah, McGonagall yeah. also doesn't think Hagrid should be trusted with that. Yeah. And um, and it's, so it just leaves you, like, it leaves you with a lot of questions, which is nice for a movie if the opening sequence leaves you wanting more. Yeah, that's kind of like the that, Yeah, that totally pulls you in. So I can completely understand why they did it that way. It leaving out all of this information that as readers we gained right away. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of put us in a situation where we don't get to find out until Harry does. Yeah, which is which is basically how they do it for most of the movie and the book. Most everything is from Harry's perspective. Yeah, the book is definitely predominantly from his perspective. But it's kind of nice when you're watching it, it and you are experiencing what mm-hmm. Harry is experiencing. You get to live it with him and not just watch it. Yeah. And so that that's a very effective tool. I hadn't yeah. really thought of it like that before until we started talking about it right now. <laughs> you find out things as he finds them out. As he finds and, them yeah. out, yeah. And it lets you experience it too. Yeah, other than the fact that it omitted a lot of details... It really kept the essence of what was in the scene. It's true because, you know, you had Dumbledore putting out the lights. You mm-hmm. had McGonagall going from cat to person. Yeah, you had you had the big guy coming in on the bike. Yeah, Hagrid shows up on <laughs> the motorcycle. Shows up on the bike. Even though, yeah, the movie doesn't explain where he got the bike. You just kind of think it's his bike, which is pretty logical. Yeah, I mean, and, and... He, he looks like a biker dude. Sure. It's, it's the beard. <laughs> it's the burliness. It's the burliness of the beard. Yeah. It totally, yeah, in the in the book, they specifically are like, where'd you get that motorcycle? And he's like, young, serious, black. But yeah. that's just giving out too much information, as we already established. Yeah. This movie does not want you to know anything yet. It wants you to be... It doesn't want to inundate you with right. too many names. No, it, the chapter one book was a lot more rich in detail yeah. than the opening scene of the movie. But I think we have already established that... It, it kind of had to be that it, Yeah, that it was better off to give you just the meat and potatoes and let yeah. you learn more of it along with Harry. For sure. But one thing is one thing is definitely for sure, okay? In both the book and the movie, Dumbledore leaves a freaking one-year-old baby on the doorstep <laughs> in the middle right? of the night. What the fuck? Dumbledore? Like, damn! What, he wouldn't have fit through the mail slot? <laughs> There's just, just on the doorstep. Doesn't, doesn't ring the doorbell and right. doesn't, doesn't, like, knock and run. Just... No, Bell, here's, like, here's, here's a baby in a letter. In a letter. Enjoy. So, why do you think he doesn't, like, just knock on the door and say, hey, let's have a chat? As opposed to just leaving a letter. Yeah. Have you met the Dursleys? I wouldn't want to talk to them either. Well, that is true. Seems kind of ridiculous. I, it, was he maybe worried that they would refuse if they had the option to say it to speak in person that if they had him on the doorstep that I mean, they couldn't was... they couldn't send him back but they're running the same like if they really didn't care as much i mean you know i'm sure there are there are firehouse laws in england where you could just drop a baby on, on like the police steps that's, or whatever. and that's why i wonder what was in the letter that really persuaded them yeah. to keep him yeah which i mean it can be assumed that, you know, from what J.K. has said in interviews and things like that, it can be assumed that it's that it probably started off with, "Hey, your sister's dead and her husband, um, so sucks to be them." Um, 
You're stuck with the kids, so yeah. sucks to be you. This is this is now <laughs> your baby. Sucks to be you. Um, I I am pretty sure I read somewhere that they told him he had to treat him as his yeah. own, their own. They, he must have. Because didn't he mention that like later in a book? He said, "I told you to care for him as if he was owned, and you didn't do that." Well, then obviously his letter didn't do shit. No, did it? I mean, they kept him. True. And, th- and that's that's an interesting that was about it. concept, but I think that really goes for another. That, yeah. That's more of a discussion for another chapter, since we're still focusing on the fact that it was just a baby left on a, a doorstep with a letter. A, like, dude, you couldn't you couldn't ding dong ditch the baby. Like, what if they didn't find him till morning? They probably didn't find him till I morning. I imagine they did. They probably like... went to go get the mail and found a baby. And a letter. So it was kind of like mail. They may not have done that because the mail comes into the house. So they didn't even, because the mail slot Well, they would have had to open it to door. get the milk, which comes fairly early. <laughs> so. Okay. <laughs> I, I know the whole At thing. the very least, they as long as it wasn't a weekend, they they found him when he they went to work. Here's our very first Potter pondering. Why in the world do you think... <laughs> J.K. Rowling was just like, this is a good story plot. Let's just leave the baby on the doorstep. Well, I mean, how many how many stories do we know of where the baby's just left on the doorstep? There's actually probably quite a lot. I haven't it, done Maybe it's just a trope at this point. It's. I mean, really, I think it is. Now I want to know. Now I want to know what other stories involve babies left on doorsteps. With well, just gonna, a note. I'm going to do some re- some research. Yeah. I know there's, I mean, you see it, you, you do, you see it all the time. You may not realize you see it all the time, but now that now that we've said it, you're gonna notice it. Now, yeah, now I'm gonna notice it more. So let's just keep rolling. This is a Harry Potter podcast, right? After all, so we right? don't need to talk about the tropes of other stories so much. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that pretty much covers the majority of chapter one in the first scene. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit shorter, uh, being that half of the chapter was omitted not even put in the movie yeah and And the um, chapter itself is short the chapter itself is shorter yeah the um the other thing that i'd really like us to talk about is how they brought the characters to life Mm -hmm. so in this one we we got to see three of the characters in this scene yeah Uh, in the book there was more obviously you had um a young Dudley and Vernon and Petunia, and um, they even had like the weatherman and yeah. the newscaster that were hilariously named um, was like Ted and Jim McGuffin or something yeah, like McGuffin. that. The McGuffins. The McGuffins, and just totally a plot device to move them forward. It just, I thought that was funny. But we don't get to see them in the movie, but they're also not that important. They're, yeah. They use other. They're expendable. They were expendable, and they used other plot tools to move the story along yeah and let you know that i guess they really didn't have to share how weird things were happening that in itself was kind of omitted yeah well they had well yeah because you don't you didn't see any of the you didn't see any of that day. yeah you just started right it with started right in game. so there was no need to build up that something strange is about to happen they just started with something strange happening yeah so and it worked i feel like yeah but it, it was it was i think incredible to be in the movie theater because i remember this mm. i remember being in the movie theater and like the music just being like <sighs> like it was perfect <laughs> theme song perfect but that's john williams for you yeah and just everything that he makes is gold yeah um this theme really is the perfect oh yeah i it is my favorite movie theme 
ever. Yeah, he nailed it. You know. As he does. Yeah. But it was, and then, like, the gold lettering and the music and then (laughs) Dumbledore right there, exactly like you pictured him. Yeah. I think. I think that's just what he looked like. Yeah, I yeah for sure. Richard what, Richard Harris was was amazing as Dumbledore. I felt like he was R. a little understated. Yeah, but I also think that was more the scriptwriter's fault. Uh, movie Dumbledore actually kind of pisses me off. I really yeah I don't I love book Dumbledore. Like book Dumbledore is honestly one of my favorite characters of all time. Really? Yeah. And if you ask me who my favorite Harry Potter character is, my answer will always be Dumbledore. If you ask me who my favorite Harry Potter movie character is, it will not be Dumbledore. (laughs) I, uh, and it had nothing to do with Richard Harris because I thought he looked the part. I thought the lines that he did get to deliver, he delivered perfectly. Like, Mm -hmm. I thought he made a wonderful Dumbledore. I just didn't think they gave him Dumbledore to be. Yeah. I felt like he, he, like, he came across more feeble and quiet. Yeah. And less all powerful. Like, this was supposed to be this omnipotent omniscious like he knew everything going on he was the only wizard that Voldemort feared yeah and I didn't see that come out of I him can, yeah at I all can, anyway, I can shape or form. and I don't think that was the way that he portrayed him I think that was the way that they wrote him in the movie I don't think the screenwriter understood Dumbledore at all so that's just kind of my thing. You like you don't I, feel the, the screenwriter understood Dumbledore the way you understood. The way Dumbledore. I understand. Nobody, nobody knows Dumbledore like I do. <laughs> <laughs> but I like, I loved seeing him. Richard yeah. Harris totally looked the part. It was really sad when he passed away. I know. And they had, and had to move on, but we'll talk about that more later in the, the series. But I, yeah, I thought he absolutely looked the role. I thought that. His delivery of the few lines that were very Dumbledore-esque. I, um, we'll get into it more later when he had more lines. Yeah, but. for sure. Even this, you know, the 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 seminal, that's not the right word, the his big line at the end of this scene, good luck, Harry Potter. He says it very, it gives chills. He, yeah, just chills, he was, like some chills. He was Dumbledore. He just yeah. wasn't given enough of Dumbledore to be. Yeah. Like, he didn't get to, he did not get to stretch his legs in well, that Dumbledore the, costume. A lot of the characters didn't. That is very true. Um, but I, I still, I still loved his look, and I loved what he was able to give us. Mm-hmm. For so, sure. Yeah. For sure. And, and, um, I gotta say, Maggie Smith. Oh my god. As McGonagall. Love her. I love Maggie Smith to begin with. Right. You know, she is she is just the sassiest of sasses, and I love her so much. And to bring her in as McGonagall, it, it was like, at first you were just kind of like, well, who else would it be? I, who else honestly, could it be? Yeah. Honestly. No, I agree. There is, I don't think there is anybody that could have been McGonagall. She is McGonagall. Exactly. I mean, she's she's stern, but she's loving. Like she's got that tenderness underneath, but you really got to dig for it. You do. And you there know? are just so many. There were just so many, like little lines that we will touch on in later episodes mm-hmm. that were given to McGonagall that showed her softer side, even though they, like, 
she was always described as being very severe and yeah. like her hair up in a bun and mm-hmm. like a witch that you it's, shouldn't cross and like really all of the it was just that she was a badass she was she was a badass and maggie smith is a badass exactly. and like there is not another person who could have played that role she just like if you, embodied her if there are, if there are two people and we're skipping i'm skipping ahead a little bit if there are two people who were absolutely completely and utterly perfectly wonderfully cast for this movie it was maggie smith as mcgonagall and Alan Rickman is Severus Snape. That's Rest it. Rest in peace. We're going to talk more about Alan Rickman later because yes. but that is my old man crush right there. <laughs> so he's gonna get he's gonna get a special tribute on this. <laughs> but yeah, I I like yeah, every Smith. facial expression, every line she delivered, just everything that came out of her mouth was McGonagall, and mm-hmm. I, like I can't even sing enough praises for her and how yeah. perfect she was, and just. I, I loved really her. loved her. Like, she yeah. was perfect. She was amazing. And then the last actor that we get to meet is Robbie Coltrane as Hagrid. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that was pretty well cast. As... Yeah, it was It was um, to see him come up and, and be like come up this big hulking, you know, half giant holding a baby and crying. And you're just like, oh, like... <laughs> He loves him, you know. It's just it it really tugged it at the heartstrings. Yeah, the and the character itself provided such a nice contrast between this huge, wild-looking man and this like yeah. really sensitive little heart. Like he just no, he's a big heart, but it's just like yeah. he's just like he's just little sensitive, just oh, like yeah. And like I don't know how anybody couldn't just love Hagrid, right? He's a marshmallow. He is a marshmallow. Right? He's... he's a marshmallow with a big scratchy beard. He is. And he's terrible at cooking, but you know what? Terrible at cooking. Don't eat his rock cakes. Never eat the rock but, cakes. But but go and hang out with him for a day and you'll, you know, you'll just feel feel happier leaving. Mm-hmm. Not that I know. I've never hung out with I've Hagrid never hung out with Hagrid, but I can I mean, but we've read the book, so we, we have read so we hung have out. hung out with Hagrid. <laughs> we have hung hang out, out with Hagrid. Hang out with Hagrid all the time. Hey, it's the hanging with Hagrid. That's really hard <laughs> to say. Yeah, and and uh, Robbie Coltrane just he looked the part. I loved all of the the different things that they had to build on set and everything yeah. to like make him look much bigger than he really was. Just all movie magic is amazing. And just yeah, and the and the fact that they had to do like some scenes separate from others just so they mm-hmm. could have him in like forced perspective, right? And make him bigger than the kids, which obviously he was already bigger right, than the kids. Right, but he had to be bigger, bigger than yeah, the kids. Yeah, he had to be huge. Because he was half giant. I, and all of the descriptions that the books include of, like, just how big he is. Too big to be allowed. And, yeah. Um, hands the size of dustbin lids. And, yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, just the way that he is described, you really get a good mental image of what he must look like and then Robbie Coltrane flies in on his motorcycle and you're yeah. like holy shit and that's Hagrid yeah and he delivers yeah. it was pretty is a pretty fantastic these um I think they nailed the casting mm-hmm. at least visually with these three actors for the most part I'd say acting wise as well yeah because my my one big criticism like I said is the way Dumbledore was written, and I don't think that was Richard Harris' yeah, fault. Not. But yeah. it was a wonderful opening to get to sit down and watch this movie bring a book that I loved 
to life. Mm -hmm. And I really hope that you guys listening to us can kind of relive that. Yeah. As you're listening to us, maybe it'll make you want to watch it again as we go along with it. Or read the book read again. Read the book again. Because uh, like I said, we're going to be going chapter by chapter. So by all means, read. And essentially scene by scene. Scene by scene. Yeah. So uh, by all means, read chapter two before next week and jump up on Facebook and share some of your own Potter ponderings or maybe add your input on why it's okay to leave a baby on a doorstep. <laughs> and what did you guys think of the actors? Do you think that they achieved the roles? Do you think, do you think, and this is just ridiculous talk, I know, but do you think anybody could have done a better job? Yeah. What would your, what would your ideal cast have been? Ideal cast. And just to throw another Potter Ponderings up here, like what would your have ideal cast been? And if they remake these movies, since we're getting close to 20 years, it's yeah. going to happen in our lifetime. And Hollywood's out of ideas, so why not Apparently, just remake everything? I, I mean... I'm not going to be sad if they remake the Harry Potter movies. I'm, I'm not going to be lie. sad. I'm, I'm... going to be. If they're going to do it, they better do it right. Well, I'm very. Particular. I absolutely 100% agree with you there. Um, I think that the fandom has established that if you make that movie seven hours long, we, seven, we will <laughs> sit through it. So yeah. please give us all of the details that we want. Like, For sure. Like, I don't care. Um, I don't care how long the movie ends up. Yeah. Like I'll watch but, I'll watch Vernon Dursley sitting at his desk and at Grunnings and and making fucking drills or whatever the hell he's doing. Yeah, I'll watch it. But I want to know if you guys have any ideas of who could be cast in remakes. In, so yes. current actors, uh, who do you think could make the new Harry Potter? Who could be the new Dumbledore? Who could be McGonagall? Who could be Snape? Because. Uh. How I mean, I feel world. like we're going to have to just bring Alan Rickman They're, back from the dead. Right? I don't... Zombie Snape. Zombie Snape. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, by all means, this is stuff that we wonder. We'd love to have your input on it as well. Share it up sure. on Facebook. I'm going to make another post about this. So we'll have the post for our upcoming trivia question, and we will have a post for Potter Ponderings. Yes. Where we rehash what we have wondered throughout the course of this episode. As a reminder, that's facebook.com slash jkrpodcast. So hit us with a like. And so you can keep up with current episodes. We also have links to some of our other social media sites up there. Yeah, like uh, Instagram, Twitter, and we're working on some more. So find us. Like us. We'll like you back. <laughs> Everybody likes being liked. All of the likes going around. All of the likes. Mutual likes. Mutual likes. We're really glad that you've been listening to us. Now we are going to go into our first... Sorting Hat Story. Sorting Hat Story. So our first Sorting Hat Story is from Abigail Church. She is a Ravenclaw. Her wand is a Rowan wand with a unicorn hair core, ten and a half inches long. And her Patronus is an Osprey. And she said, I first heard of Harry Potter while working at Kmart in high school. Customers were looking for the books because their kids coveted them for birthdays and Christmas. I also got to hear other customers explain how blasphemous they thought the books were when they saw someone buying them. I didn't think much of them then because I was a senior in high school studying for finals and preparing for college. Years later, the first movie came out and honestly didn't really catch my attention. The second movie came and went without me noticing as well. 
At the time, I was too broke to do anything or afford cable, but I had a friend offer to let me borrow his copies of the first two movies. I accepted thinking I was going to hate them, but felt like I had nothing better to do, so why not? I was hooked after watching them. I own all of the movies and watch them at least once a year. I also own all of the books and read them to my daughter. The story is full of pain and beauty and friendship. It's just so real, except for the magic. I want my daughter to have that. It has been great sharing that with her. Oh, that's so nice. I have to say, though, the magic is real. The magic is totally real, Abigail. It's real in our heads, and that makes it real. It's real in our hearts. Yes. And it's just like It's just like, you know, when people... Can people get upset that they didn't get to go to Hogwarts? And J.K. Rowling has said, well, yes, you did. Of course you did. We all went together. Right. Or however she says it. But Something along those lines. Yeah. No, I remember reading that. I was, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, we it's true. We were together. That, and it may not be. It's real to we us. Can, it's real to us. But it may not be that we can wave a wand and say Lumos and turn lights on or knocks and turn them off. Yeah. But. But we do have the clapper. And now there's Google Home, and so technically we it could magic. say... I actually have a remote control for my TV that is a wand. You do. It's pretty awesome. It's I'm one of my favorite things. My brother gave it to me for my birthday. My younger brother, who is the one who originally got me into Harry Potter, <laughs> and um, I literally cried when I... I was just, and the first time that I did, the first time I turned the TV on with it, I, like, squealed. It was <laughs> pretty much an awesome gift that I... Any Potterhead should have. Everyone should have. Look, really? look for it on Amazon. It's it's pretty amazing. I'll, I will I will find it and post a link for it on our Facebook page if you are genuinely interested in it because it is the coolest thing ever. <laughs> but yeah, so magic is totally real. But thank you for sharing your story with us, Abigail. I love that you're sharing it with your daughter to keep the magic going. I fully intend on sharing it with my daughter when she gets old enough. I mean, she's watched them already, but... Not, she not that she has it. a choice. Yeah, she doesn't. She doesn't know that she's watching. Will you them. also please tell our listeners what your daughter is named? I my daughter is named um, Ginny, after Ginny Weasley. However, um, when I was pregnant, I kind of made a deal with my husband that I wouldn't do any crazy. I wouldn't give her any crazy Harry Potter names. Um, so I needed to be low key about it. So her full her her. Um, actual whole name is uh, juniper because gin the drink comes from the juniper berry so because i named her juniper i could then call her Ginny, and she's my little Ginny. <laughs> it's just a thing and Ginny is my favorite character i i love Ginny. book Ginny. book Ginny. not movie i know Ginny. exactly we will talk more about that in we'll future that. episodes so that brings us to this week's trivia question uh why did the Dursleys go to the zoo in Chapter 2 of Sorcerer's Stone? If you know the answer to this question, check out our Facebook page, facebook.com slash jkrpodcast. Look for the post about it. You can comment underneath it with the answer and the code word Parseltongue. And the first person who answers it with our code word, we will contact through Facebook and... You Let you know prize. what your surprise prize is. Join us next week for the answer and chapter two, The Vanishing Glass, as well as the corresponding film scenes. Thanks for listening. We hope you hear us again. I'm Katie. I'm Ellen. Until the next time, just, just keep, keep rolling. rolling.